Hello, everybody. Today you have Jake and Seth, and we're going to be discussing the 1992 superhero film, Batman Returns, directed by Tim, by Tim Burton. Now, before we dive in, I just want to say, Keith, I mean, sorry, Seth, I remember when this film came out because I saw it with my friend Keith Erziner at the time. I remember we left Minersing the Beach Club to go to see the film. I remember the synergy. I remember the McDonald's meal. Maybe it was Burger King. I remember there was all the hype. It was like, I I just remember I was so excited and it was like, I can see it. And I'd seen the, the Joker one. I was so excited. This was everything coalesced my first blockbuster experience. A little disappointed at the time. I think it's aged better uh, from my age seven to uh, age nearly 37 now. We'll talk about that for some reasons in a minute. Uh, but um, uh, sorry. Before. Normally, I know I go in and give like all the details before I do that, though. I feel like, Seth, let me throw it yeah. to you. Do you have any your personal experience? Just yeah, so. You know, like you, the the, the Nicholson, uh, the first Batman that, that Tim Burton did with Nicholson, um, you know, we were a little too young, I think, to see that in theaters, but I had seen it by the time this movie came out, and so my hype for this movie was much larger. It was also like, at that time as a kid, it was like a PG-13 thing, and like, I, you know, you heard rumors that the Penguin was really scary, and that there was stuff, and like... It's funny now watching it because it really isn't that like intense of a thing to watch. But at the time, I, I remember in my head, I was like, this is like a super adult, like there's going to be, I don't know if I can handle it. Like I had all those thoughts going on when I first saw it. Um, and so, yeah, it's like this, this one does stick out to me a little bit more than the first one for a few reasons like that. But mostly just because I, I think it was, you know, the age that I was when it came out. Yeah, this was. I felt like this is this is an interesting choice because it was so it came such an early and pivotal time of our movie yeah. movie watching career. So, quick background. I'll do the quick intro here. As I said, 1992, directed by Tim Burton, sequel to the 1989 film, uh, starred Keaton as Bruce Wayne, Danny DeVito as Penguin, Michelle Pfeiffer as Catwoman, Christopher Walken as Max Shrek, which we're going to talk about more in a minute. And Michael Goff or Go is Alfred, who was the only guy who appeared in all four of those Schumacher Burton films. Yeah. Um, oh, I'm sorry, him and the whoever I think it was Pat Hingle who played Commissioner Gordon, who was like a known character. Uh, in the film, Batman faces the Penguin, who plots to kill all of Gotham City's firstborn sons, while also dealing with Max Shrek, a corrupt tycoon who allies with Penguin to bring Gotham, Gotham City under their control. Throwing Catwoman, who is seeking vengeance against Shrek, and it comes into conflict with Batman. A little more background on this. Burton uh, initially wasn't going to direct another Batman film, um, but then he agreed to come on once he got he got more creative control and he was able to bring in the writers he wanted. Um, and actually, initially, Annette Benning was cast as Catwoman, but then became pregnant, was replaced with Pfeiffer. Film was released in 1992, grossed $266 million against a budget of 80. That was actually... A kind of an unexpected drop. It was a, like a big drop from the first film. We could talk about some of that. Why, um, whether it was really more adult or just kind of had bad rap. We can also talk about that. But it received positive reviews. Even at 266 million, it was successful. Danny Elfman's score was was really well received. The villains, the performances, the action. But PG it was criticized for being too dark in tone and violence, being inappropriate for kids. 
uh, it had two Academy Awards, but really the like the thing, like the legacy of this film, I, please agree with me, Seth, was that it was kind of the unexpected end to the Burton like era. Like it, it ended promptly, like, and even though it was successful, like, and by that it's like, it was surprisingly Burton's end Keaton's last film. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like, I mean, that realization came a little bit later. Um, I, it wasn't like they made the movie and they're like, we're, we're out. Um, it, it does. There are points in this movie where it feels like Burton's planning a third movie. And it would have been really interesting if he had at least done a trilogy, I think, so that you could kind of compare it to the Nolan movies and some of the other Batman series and stuff. So two quick things on that without taking us too deep a rabbit hole. He was. There were, like, he initially, uh, Marlon Wayans was going to appear as Robin in this film, and then that was backtracked for the second. And I didn't know this until recently. I did the, Billy D. Williams turned down the opportunity to come back for this film, which blew my mind because he was going to be a lead villain. And the reason that blew my mind was as we watched it and I was doing my notes, I was like, and again, we can save this for later. I was so surprised that like this movie is about duality. And I was like, why didn't they do Billy D. Williams? He was there in the first film and the character yeah, was like talking no, about. They were, they were planning for that. And they, yeah, they, like that guy. Yeah. So, I mean, there was, I think there were a lot of different versions of the script and like, the, you know, Burton was in, then he was out, then he's in. And it's like, they also, there was a point where Keaton wasn't in and then he got a big payday. He got like $11 million or something. Um, it was also, I mean, what's interesting to me about this one, um, it's less focused on Batman. Like the main character is kind of Penguin. Like you could call this movie the Penguin almost. But okay. Like I, like Devito is. It begins with Devito and his story. It kind of it's it's about his life and times. Batman's kind of in and out and like kind of just shows up for some quippy lines and stuff. And so I really felt like it was more about the Penguin. I couldn't agree more. That's the perfect place to start. I I also to me that's a like. Like I think that's a like a point yeah. in its favor. And so for me, like, my first note was the villains, the villains, the villains. Batman basically, he's in two brief scenes and basically non-character scenes. You see him looking at the Batlight and you see him fighting villains. But in the first 40 minutes, he's a non-entity or like 30 minutes. And I was like, the film is about the Penguin. And then I think it's about Max Shrek or Max Shrek, Michelle Pfeiffer is like, look at them as storyline B. Batman's third wheel or fourth, if you're looking at it from a character standpoint. And I actually think it works like, uh, so first, like without bringing it back to the villains and we can go, we don't need to go through them all one by one, but like to your point, it's Penguin's story. It is Penguin. It's about his, he's a freak and an outcast. And we all know Burton loves those characters, but it's to me, it's about his attempt to take control of Gotham and his life, both politically and criminally, like, and the merging of the two. To me, you have Catwoman. She's less of an anti-hero here. For me, more of like kind of a villain or like movie monster almost. Like she just keeps coming back. Like, like so what? Like she's almost like Jason at some points, but she's yeah. also like she's interesting. She's layered. She's complex. I'm sorry. I'm just running through them here. I don't want to. Feel free to jump in at any point. Well, I mean, one of the things that I noticed too about this one is like it's much more of Burton's world and his design than the first one is in a way. I think the first one had a lot more producers involved and this one you can really feel Burton's got full creative control and just from the sets to the look of the movie, it's almost more out of the Edward Scissorhands world than it is from that first Batman world. I mean, you can just tell that he's gone much, much further. Some of the statues and stuff that they have around all this Gothic architecture and everything, it's just, 
it's very much out of the Tim Burton mind. Um, and so in that sense, like I've always thought this, this was the one that's kind of truer to his vision of Batman and Gotham and the whole world and everything. Um, and yeah, like in terms of where, where the villains are, it's just like, I actually, I think the Max Shrek element was a really interesting move to have this other billionaire businessman who's kind of a rival of Bruce Wayne and get involved in the criminal aspects of Gotham. I thought that was a great plot move. Um, I actually think the first like 40, the first two thirds of the movie is really interesting plot wise. I really enjoy the partnership that he has with Penguin and the whole political maneuvering and like trying to make Penguin look like this great guy. The Catwoman thing to me, I hadn't realized as a kid, I guess, how little her transformation makes any kind of sense. Basically, Max Shrek throws her out of a window and a bunch of cats start licking her and she comes back to life as Catwoman. And like, that's where the reality aspect of this movie is like, I mean, even the penguin story is more realistic than what's going on. Let's save the Catwoman for a minute, because I just because that to me is more of a gripe, and I definitely want to dive into that. But let's talk about Shrek for a minute, because I that to me was the biggest takeaway. Was first of all, he's an original character. He was created for this film, and I just want to say, for especially a character with Batman's like, even in the eighties, like trust me, by nineteen ninety two he already had probably the best or deepest character roster or villain roster. Like, and the fact you're just making up a new one, like, first of all, is very bold, but it is so incredible. I, as a comic book villain watching Max Shrek here, it was so cool. Like to me, I think Max Shrek is the most dangerous because he is the most realistic. He is a criminal who is using the system who who almost, yes, he kills Selena Kyle and, like, that's what really makes him evil outside of just being corrupt. But, like, to me, he's the scariest because he's the most realistic. He is an evil, selfish man who justifies everything he's doing for the, quote, unquote, sake of his kids or his future or legacy. Whatever. And it's something that – And but, again, what's to me so scary is, like, he can have a meeting. It, he is both Bruce Wayne and Batman's greatest villain because he is what Bruce Wayne could do if he was a villain. Like – He's using his money. And yeah, it's like he's the if Bruce Wayne turned dark, that's what Max Shrek kind of represents. So that's why I think it's a great again a movie full of dualities. It's kind of the other side of Bruce Wayne, not like the Batman side. Like if he had just kind of turned evil. Um, and also, I mean, and what, one thing about that too, talk just talking about duality. To me, Bruce Wayne's duality is he is a normal person. Um, he is like a philanthropist, and then you find out he's going the extra mile. He's the, he's the chicken and the egg at breakfast. He's laying the egg and putting the bacon on at night. But where Max Shrek, it's a different duality. He's portraying the same public face as Bruce Wayne, but instead of elevating at night, he's going down. And you realize he's really, his other side is he's a murderer. He's not really a philanthropist, like in all that other, but so I'm sorry. And his, all, his like master plan, from what I gathered, is that he's going to build this power plant that's not actually going to provide power, but it's going to end up sucking power from Gotham into it. That's kind of what Selena Kyle uncovers right before he throws her out of the window. It, and like, there's this whole metaphor of like, you can never have enough power. I'm Max Shrek and I want all the power in the world. But it, it was I, I love I, that. I thought that was so, I thought that was a perfect, like there's this power surplus. My whole belief is that you can't have a power. There's never too much power. And I like that, but like, and yet it's on the point, but like, and maybe a different actor or in different hands and wouldn't be as well executed. But like, this is a movie like, the big moments work and it's because of who they have there. And it's like that mo- to me, that line shouldn't have worked, but for me, it did at least. I, no, I think I thought it all, I mean, I thought all the Max Shrek stuff worked for the most. 
most part. Um, even the, the early on stuff where, like, Selena Kyle's giving out the coffee and she has an idea and Shrek's like, well, you know, she makes a good cup of coffee. Let's not, let's not like, burden her too much and, like, always condescending to her and stuff. And, I mean, Walken brings that character to life. I don't, yeah, you're right. I don't know if that's in the hands of another actor if it works quite as well. And there is some, I mean, again, there's something about Walken having, he doesn't look like Keaton, but he's, it's like a good job of just kind of like, yeah, I, I believe this guy's a billionaire like in this city. He also, as the character, he holds the screen incredibly well against Penguin, Bruce yes. Wayne, Batman, and Selena, like Catwoman. Like he, his screen presence is incredible. Uh, Max Shrek for me, and this is a bold statement, is one of the best comic book villains I've seen. I think he might be the best DC comic book villain after the Jokers, Leto, and uh, Nicholson. Uh, it is interesting. I mean, again, like, I know he was created for this movie, um, but, like, I would love to see him portrayed again in another movie. Like, he's just, it's just a great idea for a character. He's, they're, they're bringing back Keaton for uh, the new Flash universe. I would consider bringing uh, Max Shrek back. Like, it's uh, he's such, it's such a rich character, and I'm surprised he's not a big character in the comic books either. It's interesting. Like, to me, this is a really rich, deep character. I, I, I want to see more of him. One last talk, comment about the villains before we move on a bit. What did you think about the Red Triangle game, which was the, the circus of crime? That's what I always called them as a kid. Um, that, like I will say, the opening scene or the opening like thing where that you kind of see them and they spoil like this Christmas tree lighting, I think, is what's going on. Yeah. Um, it doesn't... Ha- th- that's where I felt like the age of the movie kind of showed itself because after you've watched some of the Nolan stuff and, you know, the new, the Batman that's come out recently, it's just kind of like, it's so hard to believe these actual clowns as, like, scary, like, like I mean, it's, they're just not as scary watching it today as I think it was in the moment back then. Um, that was kind of my, I mean, I felt like if you had real people, I know what they're trying to do too, where it's like Penguin has this thing where he was like involved in a circus and there's a bunch of cast offs or something. And that's really how he creates his little army. But like at the same time, I think if you had real criminals that were doing that, it would just come off as more effective. I think this film both benefits and is hurt though by the time that has passed between now and then. Like this time, this is pretty edgy stuff. Like motorbike, motorcyclists with skulls for heads and like fire breathing devils. Like, it was like this is mind you, this is a U.S. pre goth, pre nine eleven, pre uh, pre all the fun scandals and eye opening events we've had to experience over the last twenty five years. But like it's uh, it is funny because I I remember being young. I remember being terrified when you first see the the Red yes. Triangle Gang, and as we said, like I, that's a very visceral feeling. I remember watching now specifically. If you couldn't tell by my comment the skull cycle motorcycle guy used to terrify me. And now I was like, Oh, it's a cool helmet. It was like, it looks a little like, it looks a little bit like a Muppet, but, um, but with that being said, I thought the action scene itself, especially with them was good. Those are some of the best sequences. And um, we, I, agree with that. I also, I mean, the other thing is like, you have to remember at that point in time, it's just like, Burton is basically pioneering this whole genre. I mean, he didn't have 50 Marvel movies to kind of like, relate to at that point it's just like they're the comic book movies were not a thing back then and so he's also they're doing a ton of great cgi work with with uh in here like that's aged really well i think yeah no i like again i think you're right where it's like the the age of the movie has benefited it in some ways but i mean 
there's also areas where you're just kind of like, this would not fly today. Like, if you showed that scene to a, an audience today, it would not scare them. It just wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> that, I think that's a good point. And that's, um, and that's funny. We'll get into, what, like, some of the things later. I want to save it for, like, why, like, why it didn't do well then. And now it's, like, because yeah. it was too dark. And now you're like, this is, like, this is downright cute at some point. Yeah. Like, uh, especially with the little penguin army. But uh, before we go there, you mentioned this, and I just want to quickly circle back to it because you mentioned the setting, and I couldn't agree more. Like, I thought he did a great job of expanding or showing us more of Gotham. I remember they had some of those big statues, like the big giant like sculptures um, or statues on the side of the buildings, but it felt like there were a lot more this time, and like they leaned into it. And like one of the things I like about those is they remind me it's a cool mix. I always think of Lord of the Rings and like those giant stone, like the, the, the sculptures out of the mountain and the way they have it, like similarly here, it's like a scale that gives it like a grandiosity and like ties it for me into those other like fantasy stories. I'm probably going too deep there, but the way they designed it, it was the perfect mix of like modern contemporary, like modern retro and like, classic or ancient or timeless like with those giant it was just such a cool mix and like it both if it gave it a feeling of being like both totally fantastical and also like there was enough texture there where it felt like real and that's like i don't know if i'm doing a good job explaining it but like burton burton explain when you're watching it but it like it gives there's something about it where it's like you feel like this is a historic city yes like this has been you know it it doesn't it, it comes across as like similar to new york where it's like you'll come across these big art monuments and you'll be like wow this is like a historic place that i'm walking through and so it gives it that element of like this isn't just like some small town this isn't a movie set this is like a giant place where like a lot of stuff is happening and and again it's like i could just tell burton's at that point like i would say this is around the peak of his career honestly and where he's at his most creative and like that's the kind of stuff he's just killing I mean, again, if you go back and watch like Scissorhands, like a, a lot of similar stuff is going on too with a lot of the art design and the set design of that movie. Um, and so he brings that whole thing to life. Um, and like, I really like his version of Gotham. I, I would like to like, if I could look at anyone's version of Gotham, his I think is the most interesting just because there's so many details, both large and small that he goes for. Couldn't agree more. And like some of the other things are highlighted. Like we talked about the, the buildings and the statues. You, you, he takes us to the zoo. He takes us to the sewers, to the underground rooftops. The plaza is where they keep visiting, which might have been in the first one, but it's where the tree lighting is. And like we get, we just get more of the city. And it's like, it, it's not incongruous with what we saw in the first film, but it also, sorry, at the same time, it's grander. And it's like, it's giving us, it's expanding on it. And the other thing, I just want to say this this is, you can make the argument, I'm not going to make it. This could be a Christmas film. Like, the Christmas setting is perfect. I don't know if it's like having all these characters in black and with the white snow against these dark gray snow. Like, it's really, it's a cool gothic image. Like, just like the white on black on white and gray. Like, there's all this cool. It just, brings in all that lighting and stuff. And, like, Kubrick, yeah. again, I don't know if we don't need to compare it. But, like, if you watch Eyes Wide Shut, People have different opinions about that movie. The lighting is amazing in that movie because it's a Christmas time movie and he's able to use all those Christmas lights in different ways. And I think there's similar stuff going on in this movie where it's like, because of that setting, you can use the lighting in a different way and it pops, the colors pop in a different way. And 
you have the yeah, like you said, the white snow and the dark settings with the buildings and then the Christmas lights. It just it brings a certain element of our artistry to it. And the last thing and the other thing I the reason I think that Christmas the Christmas tree the Christmas theme works and like there's so much Christmas and laid here is like this is also a movie ultimately about family. It's the penguin like trying to get his legacy back from his parents who disowned him. He has his own new family with the penguins and the triangle gang and the circus people. And it's like, and then you have Max Shrek who's worried about his son's legacy. And then you have Selena and Bruce who are not family, but like they're in a romantic relationship that could lead to a family. And just the fact that it's Christmas, which is either the best time of year or the worst time of year, depending on where you're at in your own personal mindset. I just, everything, like, I, the first movie is amazing. And I'm not going to sit here and say this film is better. But to your point, like, I feel like he's a better filmmaker by this film. Yeah, like, yeah. with everything, whether it's him or he's just, it's a strange alchemy of getting all the right people. But, like, there's so much more going on in this film for me. And it's even bolder in so many ways. Like, even with this quote-unquote darker tone, um, there's a lot to like. And I'm sorry, I've gone on a real lot. I think the first one that, you know... The Nicholson performance, and also I think what a lot of people forget is how important the Prince soundtrack was for mm -hmm. that movie and how big of a deal that was. And so, not that, uh, you know, I think it would have been cool if they got Prince to be involved in the second one, but also leaning more on the Danny Elfman score, I think, is effective for this movie. And it's not quite as distracting uh, as having like Prince music come in and like random taps and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, but you're, I, I think you're absolutely, it's like he's a better storyteller and he's gone deeper into his like artistic means in this movie and he has more control over this movie so it's just there's just like like you said there's more stuff going on one of the things i mean i think we should kind of dive in to the devito uh penguin performance a little bit because i mean nicholson got nominated uh for the joker role um he advised devito to take this role as penguin mm -hmm. and i think devito went full like head first like i'm going for this thing and like you can see it in the movie uh, you know, they said like when he was on set, he would try to stay in character and stuff. And like the the makeup design on him is unbelievable. He's incredible. Like if there is a dark, scary part of this movie, I think that holds up, it's the penguin and his face and all of the stuff going on with him. How gross his teeth are. He's eating raw fish. The part where he like uh, Shrek introduces him to like his political team, and he's trying to like be like, hey, this is the guy we're gonna have run for mayor. And then the penguin bites somebody's nose off. I mean. That's a memorable scene for me, Jake. I thought, I, I actually, I think it's a great performance by DeVito. I, I think at the time, people thought it was like too far and over the edge, whereas like Nicholson's performance is a lot funnier and a lot kind of easier to, to swallow, I think. Whereas like, this, this is almost a body horror that, that DeVito's doing with this penguin role. I, I'm glad you, I, I glossed over him initially. I'm really glad you brought it back. I, I agree. I think one of the reasons this has aged so well is because of his role. And I think the way it's like, to me, the way it's changed over time. I, when I was, he was scary. He was really scary. Like when I remember being a kid, like, and the Joker was scary, but he was scary because you didn't know what he was going to do. Like he wasn't scary to look at, like, but he was unpredictable. And yeah, he had turned that one guy into a skeleton, but like you knew he was scary because he was unpredictable. And also, but like even a step above that, Joker was fun and funny. Like, he was charismatic. The Penguin's not charismatic. And, like, it's the nature of the way he's written. Like, he has a charisma, but it's more of, like, a, he's the leader of the mole people. 
or like he's the man he's the one-eyed man in the land of the blind like he's like a monster leading monsters like he's not he doesn't have like the same crazy like i don't know how to say like johnny carson on acid and lsd charisma that jack nicholson has in, in the first one and on top of that like when jack nicholson peacocks as joker in the first one he does to me him peacocking is the art show where he's when he yeah. he and his guys are doing the dance of the sp and yeah. prince spraying paint everywhere yeah, exactly. or or he's making the jokes and he's making funny jokes and in this one yeah he's biting he's eating raw fish he's biting noses off and he's making some like at the time were sexual innuendos that went over my head and today are like just kind of out of place like unnecessary sexual jokes like I get why he wasn't perceived well in the 90s. I think his dialogue was probably too adult for the adults. And I think he was too scary for the kids. And I think they probably looked at him. What I think was at the time, and also reading some of the reviews, I think critics viewed him as like basically a monster. Like that kind of didn't make sense. Whereas now, or at least the way I view him as, the, he is a, supposed to be a sympathetic character. He is a character that was failed by society. Like since he was born, he was failed. He he wanted to be accepted, but like he couldn't. Like it's not like a happy story where like he had a chance and like he's an unhappy character. Like he's he's an actual monster though. And like yeah, no, he has that otherness quality. You know, much like Mary Shelley's uh, Frankenstein's monster character. Yes. he definitely fits that kind of mold. And just I mean, I don't think it's been portrayed. I don't know if it had been portrayed before in the comics with him being kind of like a dysmorphic. Bottle, you know, just whatever horse show that he is. But I thought, you know, again, Burton, I think that's a, a very conscious choice he made with the character that he was going to go, this isn't a guy that's a little bit rotund and wears a suit. This is a guy from the sewer that has webbed hands. And like, you know, it's just so scary uh, to look at aesthetically. I mean, I don't think that, I don't know if there's any, ever been a character like that in any movie, maybe like the elephant man. I believe there met. I don't. My understanding again. I'm not as big a, as much an expert or fan of, of Batman. Um, my understanding was that that was re relatively novel, and that like there have been some horror Batman things, but I think more so with other characters. And he some some people had him look more like a penguin than others, but generally it was that like it, he was the Adam West '60s Batman. Like he kind of just like looked like a penguin. Like he. He had like a penguin motif, but like he wasn't like penguin esque, if that makes sense, or penguin like. Yeah. Um, to, go that, to go that deep on the on the body aspect of it, I thought it was just super interesting. I mean, to me, that's the part of the movie that I think is most modern, actually, and mm -hmm. I could see how at the time that would be people would be disgusted by it in a lot of ways. But I think that's the part of the movie that's like still amazing to watch. It just it's a really interesting performance. It's a really interesting choice by Burton to do it that way. Um, I mean, again, I—that's I, the—and I—that's the major part of the movie. Honestly, he's almost the primary character. Also, I don't know. Did you did you catch? Um, I caught this on my rewatch. Did you, did you notice he played uh, his father in the very beginning? Yeah, Paul Rubens. I didn't catch it initially, but when I was going through the uh, Wikipedia, I was like, "Wow!" Like just Pee Wee Herman. For those that don't know, Paul Rubens, one of the greats. Interesting choice. I think this is after his uh, exposure in the uh, theater. Not that I have to hold that over him forever, but just interesting choice. Um, it was, I really like the Penguin, and I think 
what's funny is that they made the character now i bet they just do him cgi uh but like the fact that uh, which would be terrible as you know i love practical effects i love the practical effects in this film i was surprised at how much cgi they had but the fact they used that like i'm sure at the time there was a ton of cgi but like in my like the film to me has aged so well mainly for the graphics the commitment to like live stunts setting like the production quality shows to me production quality shows at how a film ages this film's aged really well and i I think that a lot of the decisions they made that might have been risky or risque at the time it's not the movie made money but not as much as they thought so i think you can make the argument that they probably didn't a lot of the creative decisions didn't work at the time but have aged really well as i think i'm repeating myself at this point but i agree yeah no i think it's funny at the, yeah i mean i don't know if we want to get into it but it's like at the time i think the genuine consensus was the first movie was better um and that nicholson you know gave a great performance he got nominated for it and that it was just a more important movie and you know that the second one i think was seen as more of a cash grab or something which it's so funny because like looking watching it now it's like it just seems like it's the opposite almost where the first one had more producers involved. It seems like it's a little more streamlined. And this one just seems like Burton goes, you know, off the deep end and just gets super creative with it. And the performances are, are much more, much higher risk taking involved. And so, yeah. I, mean, I, I, I was going to say, I'm sorry, I couldn't agree more. Like to me, this movie felt more personal. Like he, yeah. he, I've heard him, like he identified with the otherness in Batman. He triples down here with Kat, yeah. Selena Kyle. And we're going to talk about her in a minute. But like, yeah, to me, this movie felt so much more personal. And to call this the cash grab, like, yeah. blows my mind. Like, this movie, and not the first one's great. Like, the first Tim Burton Batman is one of the old-time Hall of Famers. Like, but this movie, to me, like, the, I, I'm not going to say, again, I'm not going to say it's the better movie, but it's definitely not one. Worse. We're taking a quick break, and we'll be right back. And we are back from our break. I like Nicholson's performance, but like I think there's a real like I could easily argue that DePio gives a better performance as Penguin. Like I just think it's a much more in your face. <laughs> crazy thing that he's doing that, that, that what Nicholson did. DeVito also has more layers like there's an arc yeah. to his character like he like there is an actual arc and like there's some not saying again not not Nicholson's portrayal at all but like from a more objective traditional standpoint I would say that the penguin DeVito's penguin is a more fully Again, it's hard to say because we're not talking about any character. We're talking about the Joker, who is literally insane and like unknowable. So to say he's un, un not fully well rounded is like pretty obvious. But there's more to grab onto with Devito's character. There's like more from a story standpoint and a character standpoint, in my opinion. I agree. What, um, yeah. For whatever that's worth. <laughs> Even like the, his sexual advances on Catwoman at times, um, super gross. Also, like, one of the weaker plot points I thought was the fact that, like, he's kind of up on that, like, see, or, like rooftop with her at one point, and he makes another advance, and she's like, no, and he's basically like, well, I don't need you anymore, and that's, like, the, he, like, kind of ends the relationship, and I was like, 
not the not the brightest move there, Penguin. Like you might have needed her, you know, like keep doing what you were doing, basically. So I think that's a good lead in to the gripes. I got a few gripes. One of the gripes, first of all, I did like the plot. I think a lot's happening. Oh, there's almost so much going on. Like, you, I think you make the argument this would be a really great, like, four to five part series, like, with all yeah. the political intrigue and the alliances. But one of the gripes, and you just mentioned it, I remember the alliance between Penguin and Catwoman being a bigger part of the story. It's a big part of the story, but it's not a long part of the story. Like, it's, it, has, it's, it happens and it's over pretty quick. And that. Same with Penguin and Shrek's alliance. Like yeah. some of the some of the subplots don't. And I'm not gonna. I'm not sitting here saying the movie should be longer. I just talked about how much I loved it. But like some of the subplots are wrapped up. Like some of the subplots don't even last the act they're in. They're like started and resolved halfway through the act. And so it's like, I mean, I, yeah. Like I always thought. Like I think it's really interesting when Penguin and Shrek get together to try to do the political move for mayor. But it basically is unraveled just simply by Batman pumping in that uh, the taping of Penguin saying like uh, a bunch of nasty stuff about the city and everything, and he's like, "I've got this city like under wraps or something," and it's like everyone starts throwing vegetables at him, and like he looks at Trek and Trek just shrugs like you're fucked, and it's like you know I'm not saying he could come back from that politi- politically, but I just thought it was like it was such a quick like oh that's the end of that like attempt. That's, he basically beat Penguin the same way Macaulay Culkin beat the Wet Bandits in the second with his Tiger Talk recording. Like the fact he beat him with a recording was a little like I was wondering. I was like, I forgot how does this resolve itself? And literally thirty seconds later, it's like, oh, that's the end of the political drama. That's the end of the uh, everything. Just I would, yeah, I would have gone a little longer with the mayor thing, if not even gotten into the election uh, point of it. I think I think that's just a more interesting part of the movie. They shift a little too quick into now everyone hates Penguin and now he's going to kill everyone's firstborn. And it's just kind of like... Quick note, I think Nolan's Batman would have had it gone to the election and like actually like... Yeah. Be like, Gotham choose and probably Gotham probably would have chose the other candidate. But that would have been Nolan's Batman. Um, What's his name's Batman? Matt Reeves' Batman would have been that an earthquake struck or a tidal wave came or a super blizzard happened. um, Something cool like that. But, um, sorry, joking aside, the Matt Reeves movie was fine. Um, that was good. The Matt Reeves movie was good. I'm sorry, I'm just being a jerk. Um, but the w- one of the other things was, you. so you mentioned a perfect lead-in to one of my other gripes. I don't think, this is a light gripe. I don't think the film is too dark for a film. For a film that's trying to attract kids, though, the whole infanticide angle, which basically it's very biblical. Like the, the fact that yeah. the, he's put down him, putting him down the river in the beginning is like Moses. It's not that crazy, but that's attempted infanticide. The end of the film is him actually trying to kill the firstborn sons in Gotham. And he says like, even graphically more descriptively, he's going to throw them to the sewer. He's going to drown them in the sewer, which I will say I do. It prompts a response from one of his own guys and he shot immediately and i think that's almost like i think that is burton kind of talking to the crowd so it's like whether that's true or not i'm the reason i'm putting this as a gripe is because i do think it's just a little rough for it's just a very intense adult thing i don't think it was necessary like you could have just had him be more vague but with that being said 
it's not, I don't think it's a sin. I think it's a misdemeanor. It's not a felony in terms of story or plot like things for me. I think, I mean, I hear what you're saying. Um, I think from Burton's point of view, it's like, you know, he sets the story with this firstborn child being given away by his parents to a sewer. And it's just like, I think it does kind of tie back into that opening part of it. And I, I appreciate that aspect of it. Also, I mean, my gripe about that part is like, he, I actually think he should have taken Shrek's for like son, like, cause Shrek's all wrapped up in his son and his legacy and stuff. And like, there's that whole scene where he's about to take, I forget what the kid's name is, but he's about to take him. Junior or whatever. Yeah. Like, oh, no, take me, take me. And he convinces Penguin to take take him take Shrek instead. I actually thought that was a weak move. I would have had Penguin take the sun and kind of follow that track a little bit more. Because as soon as he makes that switch, then you're like, this isn't really about firstborns. This is just about you trying to kill somebody. <laughs> so the, I was going to ask you about that because I had I, I had some mixed feelings about that. My first thought was this doesn't make any sense. And also like the penguin wouldn't do this. The penguin we've met, he, like he's smart, he's yeah. shrewd, he's ruthless, and he's cruel. Like he wouldn't he knows that that would hurt Shrek more. But I was gonna ask, because I realized was the point of that supposed to sympathize both basically both Shrek and Penguin before the end, showing that Penguin did have some mercy, that he wouldn't take the firstborn son. And for Shrek, showing that while he was evil, he wasn't completely selfish and that he was willing to sacrifice it. He was willing to die for a son. With that, I'm saying that, and even as I say that, that feels like a stretch. But I guess I'm asking, do you think that could have been what he was doing? Or is that is that an angle? I mean, I, I, I see your angle there. Um, but it, it's like... It feels like an like, angle. Yeah. Both <laughs> of them are such like horrible people. That you're, it's just kind of like... I. If I was writing it again, like I'm no, I'm nobody to write this, but like I would have him take Shrek's firstborn, and like at that point, then it's like Shrek I think needs to go to Batman basically and be like, I need you to help save my son, and then you have that whole conflict of like this is Bruce Wayne's rival, but Batman's got to do the right thing. I think I would have gone that kind of route. Um, I mean, the way they did, I mean, hey, I like seeing uh, Christopher Walken get electrocuted at the end. I mean, it's, it's a memorable moment, so not a, not a major qualm, but I just think it doesn't it doesn't totally, it's like he sets this plan for the firstborn thing, and then he immediately turns back on it just because he wants to kill Shrek. It's like, it didn't totally work for me. Quite, are we ready to talk about Catwoman? Yes, yes, let's talk about Catwoman. First, I just want to say, love Michelle Pfeiffer. I think she's the definitive Catwoman. Uh, and I like Zoe Kravitz. I like Anne Hathaway. I like Catwoman. I think she's, for me, she's the definitive Catwoman. Um, you mentioned it. So the way she comes to life, she's pushed out a window and then is licked back to life by cats. Is she a cat zombie? Is she like a cat resurrected in the body of a human? Is she, is she like, did the cats just somehow resurrect her with the power of their tongues? Like, I don't, is she? I will say like, hats off to Michelle Pfeiffer for just kind of diving into the role and doing a great job with it. Like you, she's kind of my definitive cat woman. I mean, look, she looks great when she's in the leather, but no one's going to deny that. So, uh, but like the, the origin of the character for, for everything that's going well with, like, the origin of Penguin and some of the artistic choices that Burton makes in the movie, it's got to be a weak point. I mean, it just doesn't – there's no sensical logic to it. 
I, I feel like it, it was a rushed move um, to have like the cats lick your back or something. And it's like, it just doesn't, it does not work for me. I don't have a problem with, with her main conflict being with Shrek and him. I don't think he, I don't know if I would have had her, had him push her out the window or how I would have had her transform into Catwoman. I'm not that creative a person, but I don't think it was the right choice. <laughs> yeah. Her performance elevates the character yeah. to me. Uh, yeah. And her chemistry with everyone is just amazing. It's like, she's like sizzled. She sizzled then. She still sizzles now, especially every time she's on the screen as Catwoman. Like, you can't look away from her. And, and he, even when she's Selena Kyle and she's kind of being seductive with uh, Bruce Wayne, those scenes are working for me. And again, I know I've, I've said this to you before, Jake, but Kim Basinger is not my favorite actor. And so... I really enjoyed the Michelle Pfeiffer Keaton stuff more than like the, the Basinger Vicky Bale uh, Bruce Wayne stuff. And that's just kind of where their I chemistry was much better than his and Kim Basinger's. The chemistry, this is some of the best chemistry I think in any superhero film. And I, I'm not saying that like I'm saying I would say like any film. Like there have been like 40 superhero films, like 20 of them have been good or 50 of them have been good. So like, I mean, there have been 50, half of them are good, but like their chemistry is incredible. She's yeah. so good. Like, and I, this is again, like I've said a few times recently, I'm trying, I'm trying to stop being the plot logic police and plot police like all the time, like especially for movies that are like supposed to be kind of more escapism. This is the film like, it is more unrealistic than the first film. And at the same time, like, I think it deals with a lot more realistic, like themes and tones. And some of those are dark or uncomfortable, but like, there's a lot more, this film is both more unreal, less realistic in terms of like, I guess the actual plot and reality, but the themes and the story feels a lot more adult and a lot more real to me this time around. I agree. And like, I think one of the things they do well with Catwoman is just like her elusiveness. For both Penguin and Bruce Wayne, it's like they keep trying to catch her and hold on to her and like And know. Shrek. And that's a good point. Like Bruce Wayne yeah. is just one another man trying to control her. Not control her, but he wants her in like his own version. Yeah, exactly. And it's I think that's one of the great things about it. It's like she has to be this person that everybody kind of wants to, to either have or, you know, sleep with or get something from. But it's like she's she's still her own person and she has her own angle in the movie. And so and like I mean, she's just out to get Shrek, basically, and she achieves that goal by the end of it. And this is something all the films, I think, have... Actually, no, they've all touched on it, but this is the only film that I think actually, like, deals with it the way the comics do. Batwoman, excuse me, Batman and Catwoman, there's clearly, like, a chemistry and a connection there. The thing is, though, the second they get together, they're going to stop being Catwoman and Batman. Like... Their whole identities are based on being loners and like he has his bat family and like they have allies and stuff, but like they can't be with each other and continue being who they are just by the nature of those characters. If that makes any sense, it's kind of, it would, it would be like being X in the X-Men Magneto and professor Xavier cannot be together in their current, like they just are so incompatible based on their actual, like, the nature of their beliefs or like the execution of their philosophies. Like they can have them, like they can be allies or team up every now and then, but like, they're just so diametrically opposed. And that's because she's a criminal and he was, he's one too, but he only goes after other criminals. And like, that's like, I'm going too deep there, but I, I this film 
did. I'm not going to say it's a quintessential Batman and Catwoman story because it's, it's not. It's probably not. But like, I think this film captures the essence of their relationship probably better than any of the other films. Because in Batman, in the dark, in the Nolan one, he ends up with her, which is great. But like, that's. I don't know if that happy ending would really work out that way for them. Yeah, I don't like I even in comic book world. And then in the new one in Zoe Kravitz, like they're it's so early in the they're not there yet. It's so early in the relationship. It's like they, they also, just met. I mean, not for not, like the, I think one of the complaints people had about the new one was like the chemistry between Zoe Kravitz yeah. um, and yeah. Robert Pattinson. And like compare that to Keaton and Pfeiffer, it's like, whoa, like that's a whole other world, you know. <laughs> agreed, agreed. I uh also, I, I mean, I know Keaton not in this movie as much um, as he is the first one, but like, just kind of miss him and his version of Batman and Bruce Wayne. Like, it's not as dreary and deep as like the Matt Reeves one. It's not as serious as the Chris Christian Bale one. He just has his own. He's he's just I, I, he's not like floating through the role, but it's it's a it's a much easier performance to just kind of watch and be with and he's he's still kind of funny when he says some things and like he's just such a, just an easier actor to be with than some of these other performances i thought i'm, I'm gonna to borrow a phrase from you he is such a more layered performance like he does romance like he can do romance yeah. and he can do comedy you also get to see him more and more so in this role than uh, even the other films i've done you got it more with nolan than in the reeves film but like bruce wayne as the businessman Bruce Wayne as the philanthropist. Like they talk about Bruce Wayne as like Bruce Wayne in the modern day, but you really don't really see him like that. You see like he makes some rude toasts at parties in the Nolan films and he sleeps through a meeting or two, but you don't actually see him in acting as Bruce Wayne. You don't see any of Bruce Wayne in the Reeves film. And it's like, so you get to see him more sides of him as Bruce Wayne. You get to see him courting someone. And um, I was gonna say, you must be reading my mind. The last thing on my list was about Michael Keaton. He, I think he's has a he's in this film less. It's more he's more like a supporting character, yeah. but he crushes it because he he's basically the straight man, which is crazy to say. Batman is the fucking straight man, but when you have Max Shrek, Christopher Walken is Max Shrek, Selena Kyle, this crazy batshit Selena Kyle with Michelle Pfeiffer, and Danny DeVito is literally like a monster man. Like he's the straight man and he crushes it. And like also he has great chemistry with Goff as Alfred and they actually, there's a lot of humor. They actually play up the relationship in this and they actually use Goff more so, which I didn't realize they use Goff more so like they do in the Nolan films uh, where he's like actually solving problems. Where he's like, he's made out with Selena Kyle in his mansion and then he's got to go to Alfred. He's like, Hey, I got to go. And like, you got to tell her this. And like they have this whole little like comedy routine that Keaton does where he's like, tell her, tell her I got to like, I got a big business meeting. He's like, no, 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 don't tell her that. And it's like, but it's like both of them have to go because like there's danger in Batman and, and Catwoman need to like go into the action. So mm-hmm. I love that whole little moment where it's like this is light, like this is not serious. We don't need to like. <laughs> when one of the I'll just quickly talk about this. That I, when Keaton was first hired as Batman, people were upset because he was typecast as a comedian, right? Uh, and he, clearly he has more range than that. And like we've talked about this a bit. Well, I don't know if it's just like the element of comedic timing is just timing is everything in performance. So like having that comedic timing translates well or what, but I felt like Marvel really learned from that. Like not only having the being more comedy forward with a lot of their programs, but like being willing to take chances on comedic actors like Chris Pratt from Parks and Rec as the star Lord or like it just, I'm 
not going to. The way that the way that Downey plays Iron Man reminds me more of Keaton's that, Bruce Wayne, where it's like he's he's dropping quippy jokes, and it's it, there's a lot of lightness to it, as opposed to being this dreary, brooding type of person. And I'll thank you. Watching this is going to sound feel weird to say, but to what you just said, there were elements, or I want to say strands. After seeing this film, I felt like I can now like recognize a couple strands of DNA from Burton and Marvel films, like yeah. with the yeah. like so. And I think some of it is from like the the and it's the humor. It's that injection of comedy, and it's like that kind of juxtaposition of like even in the recent Doctor Strange, balancing horror and comedy. Like it's it. There, I'm gonna stop myself right there, but I'm. I don't think I fully appreciated how influential. These those burden films were. I know they're influential, and it's one thing to say yeah, that, but it's another thing like, to like recognize them. And you think about the evolution of those. It's like sure there was the Schumacher period where they went way too schlocky, um, but then mm-hmm. like I think it was the correct evolution when Nolan came around to go super realism. And it's like that element of humor is lost a little bit in the, those movies. And then Reeves's movie is even more kind of darker and brooding than that, and like not quite as super real, realistic I'd say but just a darker drearier you know almost emo type of like movie where and then you when you look back at the bird movie you're like oh yeah there was this lightness to it that it not that it's unrealistic but it just didn't take itself so seriously like that yeah it was it was a welcome it's weird to say I can't be it's weird to be surprised by a 30 year old movie but there are some things a lot of things elements of this movie that surprised yeah. me in a pleasant way like that Anything else you want to touch on, my man? Are we ready to go into final thoughts? Um, the one thing I would say is, like, I found myself really enjoying the first two thirds of it more than the last act. I just, I think it, like, you know, we kind of talked about how some stuff just gets wrapped up too quickly, um, and then it just kind of ends up with like the penguin in a sewer and a bunch of people getting killed, basically. And it's, I, I feel like there could have been a maybe a better way to end it. There's also the whole thing where like. He ends up, he's going to send a bunch of penguins into Gotham and they're going to shoot bombs everywhere. And that whole thing is just kind of, it's almost Austin Powersy, where he's got a woman counting down and then that doesn't happen and she stops counting. And it's like, it just, some of that third act, I think, could be cleaned up. Um, that was my one other note on the whole thing. <laughs> I think that's fair. That's fair. And to be honest, that I kind of gloss over that. It's, I th- to call it I think to call it like staggered it would be the best way to cry like yeah. it's kind of just like it's it's on for a movie that's so smooth the first two thirds it's at that party as soon as that duck explodes through the the bottom of the floor the movie it just it turns into a comic book and that like yeah. I think the rest of it's so great and you're still dealing with these great actors and performances and there is like a somber element to it Burton lands it. But it's not the cleanest landing. I would agree with that. I agree. Yeah, and that 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 might be where, like, if you're making an argument for the first movie, I think that the ending and like the, the totality of the first movie is a little bit cleaner. That it's not as staggered, like you said, as, as turns into. You want to give your score? I can give my score. I feel like I always put it on you first. Yeah, give your score. So but clearly, I really like this film. To me, this film actually reminded me, I, like, the way I feel about it, similar to Return of the Jedi and Temple of Doom. Being that, like, I liked it when I was younger. As I got older, I kind of accepted they were the weakest or weaker in the series than their brothers and siblings or other films. And now, like, looking at it as an older, like, 
now longer a teenager 20s now looking at it from an older perspective i'm not saying it's the best but like it's much better it's much better than i remembered it and it's also i think it has a lot more to offer uh like to me i understand why i was a little disappointed as a kid as a kid when i saw this film like i think for a child it's not gonna a child looking to see a batman film might be might, might be a little surprised by some of the choices here and a parent who thinks they're taking to see a kid's movie but like taking a step back looking at this as just a comic book movie like with a regular pg-13 audience which it's rated it's it's incredible it's like a great film it's aged so well i love it i'm excited keaton's returning he's also coming back to this role in the flash if that movie ever comes out um but so like i'm excited i love revisiting this i'm excited we're going to see more of keaton hopefully soon so i loved it i'm giving it again i don't know what if we've talked about batman in the past so this I don't know where this falls in the ranking, but to Batman, but I'm giving this an 8.2, like out of 10. I think it's great. I think it's just a really strong film. Um, and even though I think this is a rare film where like an extra 10 to 15 minutes in the third act would have really benefited it, it's a benefit of it is that it's like two hours. So at least. Yeah. Yeah. It's an hour shorter than Robert Pattinson's film. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> Um, I would say, like, what I appreciated most on the rewatch was actually the performances um, and, like, the artistry of it. Like, as you know, Burton just kind of diving into his world even more so than the first one. But I also think, like, it's a it's a highly, you know, a lot of big names in the cast, but everybody does well. Um, you know, Walken, DeVito, just uh, really, every time I watch the movie, I'm, I'm more impressed with DeVito than I, I think people don't really give him like think about Danny DeVito and give him credit for his acting chops but this is one that's like he really I think dove into this role and like really put a, a character together that nobody else had seen before um, and, and like I do think it's scary and shocking in the right ways and so I give him a ton of credit I, I like what Keaton's doing uh, on his part and Michelle Pfeiffer again still my go-to Catwoman even if the origin didn't make any sense. That's that's not her fault. Um, I'm probably landing like a seven point five. Um, I think it's a really fun movie to rewatch. You could pick it apart if you wanted to. You know, you could really get mad at the third act, or you could get mad at the cat stuff, or some of the plot points where they just wrap it up super quick. But I also think there's enough good things going on and enough layers to it that it does like it, it's fun. It's a fun movie to rewatch. Like honestly. Um, and like, also, you know, I, I do still appreciate that, like, this is so early in the comic book movie genre, and it had such an impact on the movies that come after it, but that I just think it need, it should be appreciated a little bit more for, like, what it is, because it didn't have other movies to kind of relate to. And, like, Burton was literally pioneering this entire genre on his own. One quick note on that, because I just want to, this is a note that the only thing I forgot to mention, to build off what you just said, or to... We talked about how early this film happened in the comic book genre, uh, film genre. The fact that an element of the story, again, one of the subplots that's abandoned way too quickly, but that they don't want to kill Batman but make him a villain is so cool. And it's so, like, it, it is a smart, like, that is a smart plan. Like, if you can't kill Batman, make him the enemy and have, like, everyone else take care of him. And it was just, like... I. I, again, I know I've seen Tyler. I can't think of any recent movies, maybe Captain America, Winter Soldier, where they made him the Matty Mouth to be a bad guy. But, like, you don't see that a lot. So it's so cool. Like, this is the second or third or fourth. After, this is, like, one of the first 
six major uh, super comic book films, including the Reeves Supermans. The fact they had this story, which at the time was so creative and still is creative and would be like unique to the genre is just really cool. I'm sorry. I'm going on too long, but we, we both clearly like it. It's high scores for both of us. No, yeah, it was fun to revisit. All right, hopefully, uh, would you see, last question, would you see Tim Tim Burton's third Batman? I would, although I wish it was made in the night. Like, I, I, I really wish they had taken two years after Returns and then just done a third movie. I, I, and, like, I feel like, you know, I think that Two-Face would have been a part of it. Um, hopefully, Billy Dee Williams would have gone back into that role. The- I, the rumors were Billy D. Williams is Two Face, Nicholas Cage is Scarecrow, and then Robin. Yeah, I don't know the Robin thing. I'm back and forth on. I'm sure Burton would have done something interesting with Damon Wayans and tried to kind of subvert expectations with the Robin character. Apparently, um, the the story was pretty similar, at least from the Two Face. It was going to be like Two Face killing Robin's parents. Like, so some of that set up. I don't know. I don't think it's a exact one to one. I don't think they basically just took out Val Kilmer and took out Keaton and put in Kilmer. But I do know that it sounds like some of the elements of, of Burton's story yeah. were incorporated into the like, Batman. I, would, um, I mean, so, yeah, I would have definitely been interested in it. I mean, again, it would have just been nice for comparison's sake so you could compare it to Nolan's trilogy a little bit more. Um, it, does, it does feel like Burton's sort of sequence of movies is just kind of unfinished, uh, which kind of sucks. If he tried to make another one now, I don't know what I would make. I'm sure it'd be like Johnny Depp as Batman. What if he quick quick uh, pitch room for us or quick uh, quick pitch for you? It is and this is no this is by no means novel. This is the premise of Batman Beyond. But what if the new thing is it's Batman? He's finally too old, and but like he needs to find his new. He needs to find the next Batman. Because the person he'd been training like went criminal or vigilante, like they went rogue, and it was like could make it about legacies, the future. Get it like kind of reminds me of like Princess Bride and the 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 captain or whatever. exactly the great what's a Dred Scott Roberts. Like yeah. he has to find the next. It just keeps going and going, and so yeah, I mean that, that I would be interested in that. I'm sure, like if you want to do like old man Keaton kind of training a new guy and. You know, he's been, he's kind of losing his mind at this point or something. I would watch that. I that could be an that. element of it too. Like maybe it's like, well, Seth, you can tell you what, you get me $200 million. I'll get you, I'll get you the Burton movie you've been waiting for. So I'll, I'll start working on that for you. All right. Um, should we wrap up, my man? Should we say goodbye to our friends? Let's wrap it up. Goodbye, friends. Bye-bye.